0: Hebrews uh, chapter 1, reading to to the fourth verse of chapter 2, hear the word of God. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God Today I have begotten you, or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire, but of the son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, lay the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish if you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed. You are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Therefore, we must pay a much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on time. (coughs) O Lord, our God, we praise you that you have spoken, that you have spoken to us in your Son, that you speak to us in your word, even through this passage, and we pray that you would do so this evening, that the power of your Spirit we would know as your word uh, would sink into our minds and into our hearts, uh, transforming our lives. Lord, you know uh, where we come from uh, this, this evening, uh, uh, the many things that are, that are occupying our mind and attention of excitement about a new semester, new classes, um, seeing people that we want to catch up with. Lord, you know as we uh, come before you and hear your word, uh, uh, the struggles that our hearts have, the, the guilt that we sit under the doubts uh, that we have. And Lord, we we come to you in all those. We pray that you would encourage us to see forgiveness of our guilt, uh, to see life uh, from you, to see your grace and mercy. Lord, we pray that you would work uh, in us, that you would work your gospel out in our lives on this campus, uh, that you would be glorified. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. It is a struggle uh, to believe Christianity, a struggle to believe the gospel, a struggle to believe Christ, uh, whether from the opposition around us where you say that's because of you know, society pressure or general culture around you or, or, or friends influence or even maybe your family, whether it comes from that kind of stuff around us, it's even a struggle because of our own heart within us, our desires. Um, our wants, our, our needs, our insecurities, uh, even our rebellion. And many of you, you know the struggle uh, to believe. Some of you uh, coming from, from outside of the faith know the struggle to know, is it real? Is, does God exist? Is Christianity real? Is, is what the scriptures say true? You're wrestling with the impact that it makes, the call that it would make on your life and where that would lead you. Others of you, maybe grown up in the church and felt like you always, always had some of those things uh, together. Maybe you felt like it wasn't a struggle for a while, and now you've gotten to a point in college where you're going, oh, this, this is a struggle that I didn't know. Maybe it's a struggle that you weren't prepared for. Maybe you've found questions that you haven't known There's a way to answer them. Um, maybe you haven't known uh, what you believe or how to sink into those uh, deep things or challenges from situations that you're in. And even those, uh, maybe of us, or those that you know that you would say they're strong in the faith, uh, have become strong in their faith because they've uh, grown strong through struggling. Struggling to understand, uh, struggling to gain confidence, struggling to hold Christ as he points us to the salvation that he has, has gained for us. The scriptures everywhere affirm that it's a struggle uh, to believe. He uses words like, describe the Christian life like endurance, right, and, and perseverance. You get that feeling like things are hard, but, but God still moves you through a Difficulty, even talking about the uh, suffering. Uh, it never describes the Christian life as one of ease and comfort, um, where there's no need to work because everything just takes care of itself, right? Uh, that may be how some people talk about Christianity. It's not how the Bible talks about it. It's not what Christianity is. The reality is it's a struggle. So how do we respond to that struggle or just how do we respond when the difficult things, right? It's the hard things in my life are the things that I tend to avoid. You can, you can count it. Anything going on hard in my life tends to, tends to get put on the back burner or I'm, I'm putting that off till, till another time when I, when I want to deal with it where it seems desirable, right? It's either to ignore or to pretend or right, just to focus on something else instead. Because uh, we don't like those things that are difficult. I mean, I don't know about you, but, uh, but I don't want to struggle. That doesn't doesn't sound appealing uh, to me. I don't think it sounds appealing to any of us. And so, so Hebrews speaks to us in it. And, and this passage in the whole book of Hebrews uh, warns us not to neglect the struggle. Uh, not to go tired of it, not to go worn out of it and neglect it. As you see uh, in that concluding exhortation of the part we read in, in chapter 2, where they say, therefore, we must pay much closer attention lest we drift away. The, the danger there is, is of us drifting. We feel like we can, we can stand still. We can stand still and take stock of it. We can observe everything for ourselves as we're standing there watching and figuring it out for ourselves. Right? That's describing us as, as drifting. It's, uh, you, we're standing still, but we're actually on an escalator. Right? You don't feel like you're moving, but when, you're not, when you feel like you're standing still, you're actually moving further and further away from it. The current goes against you, um, drifting out to sea. On a, on a river, uh, moving away as we watch. And the further we drift or the longer we stand on that escalator, the more it's moving us away from being able to understand the gospel clearly, from seeing what Scripture says, from seeing who uh, Christ is. If you're interested to know about belief in Christ or to, or to hold on to your belief in Christ, um, you know, it always sounded fun when you were little, right, to, to run against the escalator, <laughs> It's going one way, and and you're going the other way. Um, you know, you do that for very long, it gets rather rather tiresome, well. Uh, but this, this, here's, Hebrews is calling you uh, to struggle. It's calling you in that struggle uh, to to run against the escalator, to paddle upstream, if you will, to struggle to believe. And there's maybe two big questions, maybe others, but two main questions in that struggle to believe, and we're going to kind of start into each of them. I think there's lots of ways where you see Hebrews uh, answer them, and answer them much more fully full than we'll be able to do uh, in, in this little bit of time. But we're starting to these two questions over the struggle to believe. One is, is, is it reliable? Is the gospel, is Christianity reliable? And the second is, is it, is it livable? Uh, and see how this passage answers those questions. Is it reliable? Is it trustworthy? And is it, is it livable practically? How does that work out? What what impact does it have? To struggle to believe Christianity, but is Christianity reliable? Uh, is it trustworthy? Is something we can take stock of? Uh, it's an important question to ask. Um, I hope all of you are asking uh, that question and seeking to understand uh, that, that question. Christianity isn't just a, you know, it's not just like a spice that you kind of add into the rest of your life. are like, all right, I've got things for you. Maybe I'll take a little dab of Christianity and, and see if that kind of, you know, does something uh, here. Because Christianity calls for a whole life response. Your life to be centered around it and, and devoted to it. It requires that there's a, a lot of things that you're called to give up. Um, You're called to give up self-indulgence and self-focus and and pride. Uh, You're called to give up things that might otherwise be very enjoyable. Maybe things about a lot of the ways that we like to waste our time uh, aren't what Scripture calls us to in redeeming our time. Uh, Or even just things like gluttony and drunkenness are are prohibited or or, um, more sacrificing our time and our energy uh, for other people to love others. So we're called to Uh, Christianity uh, calls a whole life of response to do the things that are part of it. That our life becomes centered around Christ and His Word. How worshiping God, who actually want to go to church or want to read the Bible or looking to sacrifice and love others. So it's important to ask, uh, is Christianity reliable? Because it's calling you to build your life around what it says, built on that foundation. Also an important question to ask because, because Christianity has a lot of weird things that it says. And if anything else has had like beliefs like some of the things that we believe in Christianity, you'd be like, that's just odd. There's, there's no way I'm going to listen to that. That doesn't fit with the world the way I'm used to it. Like Christianity is built on some other odd sounding beliefs, right? There was, a, there was a man who died, and after he was dead and really fully uh, dead, he was raised back to life. And now he lives forever and he can't die and he's somewhere in the universe at God's right hand ruling over everything until he comes back. Um, that, that's like the core belief in Christianity of who Christ is. And that that man uh, was and still is not only fully man, but also God himself who's everywhere and yet only in one place because he's God and, and, and he's man and, and trying to put those things together. Um, or, or even that... In terms of the history of the gospel, what it says, uh, everything that God has been doing over time, or, or what we believe that a perfect God allows his son to die, to love us, in order to cover all of our failures. It just doesn't feel like that's the way things work, right? It doesn't feel like a God would send his son to cover over our failures, but a man who dies comes to life again. Is, is that reliable? Can we really believe? Can we build all our life around thing, things like that, those types of beliefs? Is it reliable? Well, it's reliable, and it's reliable because God spoke. If you look at verses one and two, this is what you see is making this contrast. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Christianity is reliable because it, it comes from God. Christianity is believing, essentially, that God meant what he said. Now, I, I know some of you, that feels like, like begging the question. That's fine. I, I understand that. Um, but, but to say it this way, if this makes sense, if God is real, if God exists, if God is real and he's, he's perfect and he's, he's good and he's true, Then if he says anything, what he says is reliable. It's reliable above anything else because because it comes from the one who is truth himself. And here Hebrews is is saying to us in our struggle, listen, God has spoken. And it's going on more about the way God has spoken to us. But but in that it's telling us that God has spoken, that we have something that we can hold on to uh, because God himself who is truth has told us what is true told us, what He desires from us, and what He has ultimately done for us. And there may be a lot of other reasons that help us see that it's reliable, a lot of other steps that we may take on the way and understanding uh, that it's it's true, but the reason it's reliable is because it comes from God, because He's spoken to us. Uh, I mean, still, the passage gives us some of those other reasons. If you look at the last couple of verses we read in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it it mentions some of those other things, right? That the Christ's resurrection in the gospel is something that has been witnessed to by others. There are people who are there. We have the, we have the apostles. We have their, their witness of what's happened in the scriptures. Uh, Paul, when he's talking to First Corinthians, he you know, says at the time, he's like, here are the apostles that he spoke to, and he appeared also to, to more than 500 others, and most of them are still alive. You can go talk to them if you want, and they're, they're not still alive today, but you can imagine in that day, if people heard that, you're like, wait, someone raised someone's alive after they're dead? I want to know whether that's true. And they can, they can go and, and deal with the historical fact of the witness of those that have, that have gone so, and as it says, not only that, it was attested to us by those who heard, but God also bore witness by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Spirit. Um, so that we would know if this true, there's all kinds of other things that went along with it. Um, of the people being able to talk in other languages all of a sudden, right? For time to show the gospel going out to all. Uh, of the blind being able to see through Jesus' healing them. Uh, the lame uh, being able to to walk, that God is showing that this is his son, that this is the gospel, that this is true. Um, to, those, to those who can hear it, uh, the fact that God has spoken, that God has spoken is tremendous encouragement to hold on, uh, to believe, to struggle in it, because God's voice is more reliable than all the other uh, voices around us, even more reliable than in my own limited experience, Right? God has spoken. He's reliable. And, and the passage really is saying, more, more, the passage is much more, I'm saying just that God has spoken, but, but how God has spoken and how it's more reliable um, and how amazing reliable it is, kind of contrasting it with, with uh, past revelation, with, uh, with other intermediaries that God's word has come through, whether prophets or angels or what have you. That here's the, the greater revelation of it. All right, there's a lot of things that we that we comfortably uh, believe that aren't nearly as uh, as reliable as the salvation that we've heard from God in Christ. You, you're going to classes today and you're keeping all your your syllabi or whatever, and you're, you you just kind of believe that your professor is going to grade you according to what he says in in the syllabi, right? So you. You're figuring out which assignments you're going to do and which ones are important and, and all that kind of thing because you're, you're trusting what he says there. Or you, you go to the bookstore and you're getting your books. And, and for some of you, even before you've gotten the syllabus, you're going to the bookstore and it tells you what books you need for that class and you just trust them and you, you feel like that's reliable when you go get your books. and Sometimes you're right about that and sometimes you're wrong and then you're frustrated and some you can never do that anymore. Um, but, but there's other things that we believe that we rely on with far less um, uh, you know, far less proof to us. But here the author is contrasting God speaking in the past through prophets, uh, angels, and other intermediaries with how God has spoken now. In uh, essence, to say this, that no longer is God speaking to us now in Christ, no longer is He speaking uh, incomplete or, or indirect. It says, uh, long ago, various different times, and in various different ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets, Um, but in these last days he's spoken to us, he's spoken fully, and finally that we can read the progress of Revelation through the scriptures, that all kinds of different ways that God has spoken, different prophets that he's raised up, different times that God has come down as an angel, or sent angels to people to tell them about the things he was revealing, about what he was doing, about who he is, but he's saying now God has sent his son. And In comparison to that, is, it's no longer incomplete, where they're trying to figure it all out from the things they've got so far. But they're getting the full completeness of it as it comes in the song. We get to, we get it, it comes uh, to us, not to not to them. It says uh, to our fathers, God's spoken, but now God speaks to us in His Son. So when we come to God's Word, we get to hear the whole picture. Uh, we get to hear the whole message of what God has said, what He's done, instead of right like just listening to part of a song. Some of y'all maybe download songs off the internet. Maybe you're, maybe you're illegally you know, downloading. But you can at least go to those places and you get the, uh, you know, the free demo version that you can you know, kind of, and you listen to a minute of the song, and you're supposed to buy it from just that minute. And it's, and it's frustrating, right? Like I don't, I don't know, what, what's a song do from here? It like cuts you off in the middle of like a, you know, there's, there's like poetry going on. And you, you don't know what happens from there. Um, uh, but here we, we've got the we've got the whole song we've got the whole message because it's calm and it's completeness and God sending His Son, to Christ, uh, speaking to us. That's more reliable than other things we trust or, or past revelation. He said it's more reliable than angels. I mean, if you just got an angel that kind of you know uh, you're you're getting getting ready to go to sleep tonight and all of a sudden like a you know, shining light appears in your room. And there's this angel he's telling you to do something. You're like. Okay, I mean, I'm going to believe that. Um, this is more reliable than that, more trustworthy because God has sent His Son. Saying that it's the most reliable uh, thing that we could hear because God's given His Son. The language, as you see the passage, uh, rolls on and on to show how amazing it is that God has sent Jesus to us. Um, uh, Jesus said, his son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the whole world, right? So, so everything belongs to God, because everything belongs to Christ because he's the heir of it, right? And everything in the universe, everything we know is something that's been created uh, through him. So, I mean, it, it shouldn't be too much of a step to go, but... Can I trust Him with the things I have, or with my life, that He's already been the one who created me, and, and I ultimately belong to Him, as He's the one that the universe belongs to? But I'm not sure if I want to trust Him. Uh, here's the one that God has said, who is the the heir and the creator, uh, the one who through the worlds uh, created. Uh, uh, it, I love what it says here, He um, He upholds the universe by the word of His power. He, you know, why? The reason that the sun comes up uh, tomorrow or that the earth continues to go around the sun and whatever other stuff that's all happening and gravity continues uh, to work in the universe is because uh, Christ, by his powerful word, holds it together. Uh, he sustains it. Whether you, whether, you, whether you realize that or not, you're depending on that. You're relying on it constantly. And just as much as that's true and you can rely on that, you can rely on what he has come and said to us, what he has come and done for us in his death and his resurrection. Uh, this is the one in whom it says uh, the very radiance of the glory of God the exact imprint of his nature and Jesus uh, we see God himself and God's son we see the very glory of God himself and as you read in the scriptures of Christ and who he is and the very things that that he does uh, has has done we see the very character of our God character of mercy and of love and of sacrifice to redeem us and to take us to himself he is the one uh, we can trust. And as the passage goes on, it takes uh as we were reading it—but it takes different Old Testament passage, Old Testament passage after Old Testament passage that is quoting, is quoting about Christ to exalt Jesus as the as the supreme Son who has spoken to us more than the angels. He's he's worshipped by the angels. It says he's anointed to rule and to rule righteously forever. That we are part uh, then of his kingdom. I mean, he is forever God's king, uh, God's son, and God himself. God's speaking to us uh, through his supreme son. What more could we, uh, could we ask for God to do to show that it's, that it's reliable, for us to be able to trust him? I'm not, I'm not saying it will answer all your questions. You have to continue to work through a lot of those things. But we couldn't ask for, for more than, than for God himself to come down and live on the earth and, and, and send his son that we can listen to him, to speak to us the truth, to show us in who he is, uh, show us in Christ the very glory of God. We have God's greatest revelation of salvation in the Son. There's a second question. Is it reliable, but in the struggle to believe also, is it, is it livable? How does that work out practically? I think in some ways the second question uh, can be a lot more important to us. Not just is it true, uh, is it reliable, and not just can we believe it, um, but do we want to believe it? How does it impact us? How does it help us, how does it change us? There's a lot of things that are, that are true uh, that I'm not going to build my life around those things. Um, and we tend to be much more concerned with how, how something influences us or changes our lives perhaps for the better. So is Christianity livable? Is the gospel livable in that sense? In some ways, um, maybe we should answer no. Uh, no, it's, it's not livable. It, it's what you want. It's how you see life and livable. If what you want. is a life of comfort and ease. No, it's not. It's not what it promises. If you want a religion to simply uh, soothe and, and pacify you, that's not what Christianity offers. If you, want, uh, if you want a magic genie god that, 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 that grants your wishes, at least usually uh, does something for you, it's not what the god of the Bible is. If you want something that never challenges you or convicts you, it's struggle to believe. And if you're unwilling to engage in that struggle, and this not what you want. As you look at it, you, you, you don't like what you hear about it. Because it calls you to, to face, calls you to face your Creator. It calls you to face an infinite and a glorious God who is right, who is perfect in everything, and who hates evil. It calls you to face Him and to look at yourself and see ugliness in your heart and in your actions that we never wanted to see. And we never wanted anyone else to see. How our, our failures and our wrongs are an offense to God. Uh, and the gospel goes on to some more wonderful things, but, but it, it goes there, and that's not, that's not easy living. Uh, it takes a struggle, even a struggle within yourself. In some ways, maybe, no, it's not livable. In other ways, it's not livable without uh, Christianity. It's a, it's a necessity of life. If you look at some of those things it says in, in chapter 2, uh, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Right, it's not just us coming to the, the buffet of different religions and kind of overseeing them and figuring out what we like and what we don't and getting a little bit of that and, and leaving some other things aside because we think this will, this will work for us. Um, there's consequences. There's consequences to neglecting the struggle neglecting the message that has come supremely in God's Son. And it says if we, if we ignore this, uh, there's, there's no other hope of, or, or way of escape. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation as this? What, what is there left? Verse 2, he says that uh, there's been other revelations of God, and other people have, have responded to that, and, and the message that came from angels, he says it proved reliable. Um, and he goes on to say, every transgression or disobedience received a, a just retribution. It had consequences in the past for others. You can read through uh, scripture and hear that again and again. God's word comes to people and sometimes they're responding in, in faith and they uh, see what God goes on to do. And other times they're ignoring God's message. Other times they're ignoring God's message and even the things that he's, the, pro- the punishments that he's promised would come, they continue to ignore and then you, you see every transgression and, and disobedience that it... God punished. You can just you can say, okay, outside of all the things in the Bible, you can go back. It's, it's real obvious historical fact that the people of, of Israel used to live in, live in Israel, and then for a while they were exiled. Uh, what was prophesied beforehand, the punishment that God said they would have in Scripture, but they were, they were exiled, part to Assyria for a while and part to Babylon. They received a just rebu- uh, retribution, um, not following, ignoring the message that God had sent. Um, and later God brought them back to the land according to promise. Uh, but that was, that was God's revelation uh, in temporary and in part. And now we have the full thing. There's nothing more coming. This is everything of God's salvation, of what he declares to us in Christ, the fullness of redemption. I neglect this message, and there is nothing else. There's no other hope that's still, still coming. The hope is Christ. We can't live without it. Because it's a message of the message of salvation. Uh, the message of the Son is a, a great salvation, a rescue. Uh, how can we neglect such a great salvation? God spoke. He spoke of promise. He spoke of glory. He spoke of salvation uh, for undeserving, messed up, broken people livable uh, because of salvation is in Jesus. It says of of Jesus there, the verse we skipped over in verse 1, in in chapter 1, verse 3, that after making a purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty. And we know the things that that defile us, uh, that make us uh, unclean, make us impure. Actions you've done in the past, our uh, thoughts that you continue uh, to occupy your mind, that you don't know how to get out of your mind, our uh, things that, that we would be right horrified and ashamed if other people around us knew that we'd done that or knew that that's part of what we were thinking or how we go about every day. And those are our sins. Um, that's, our, that's our defilement. Um, and the reason that... that Everyone in this room and everyone that you know is insecure. Um, as we relate to others, as we go before God, the reason we're insecure is because of that defilement, because of our wrongs. But in Jesus, we have one who has purified our defilement, who has taken us in our filth and in our shame and in our failures and washed us and cleaned us purified us and made us right, uh, made us uh, smell good to others, made us smell good to God. Uh, and because he took the penalty, the punishment, the rejection of our sins on himself in the cross, uh, we get to be made clean. And now having gone to the cross to death but being raised up to life and being, as it says, uh, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty, we see the fullness of His exaltation after resurrection and the fullness of His acceptance uh, and, and being exalted by God, that God has accepted Him and showing that we are fully accepted by God. As we are in Christ and represented by Him, He sits at God's right hand and we have a place in God's throne as well. Uh, we have a place with Christ in glory, accepted and loved by God and no longer condemned. What He offers is life, a true life itself. Life still that is in the struggle of struggling of knowing the glory of God and knowing his love for us, but life that's also that also comes in fullness after the grave or after Christ's return when all promises will be complete. The salvation in Jesus is ultimately the only thing that's livable ultimately. But it's a, a struggle to believe in Christ. A struggle to believe the gospel. A struggle to believe Christianity. Where are you in that struggle? Now, do you see the confidence that we have uh, uh, from, from God speaking to us in Christ? Are you, are you clinging to God's message to us from Him? Or are, you, are you still wrestling with those questions? Are you grown lazy, worn out uh, from the struggle? Is it? Does it seem like too much? Do you, see the, do you see the impact of it? Do you see the motivation, the encouragement, the hope that we have from Jesus The Hebrews how it draws us in and tries to ground us in? Are you struggling uh, to rest in Him and, and not in yourself and not just what, what you can do or produce from yourself? Are you, are you wrestling to the desire of the gospel uh, more than self-indulgence? Do you see a constant uh, struggle or maybe you're trying to ignore words that don't sound soothing to you. It doesn't offer the easy things that you that you want to pursue, uh, the easy riches. Do you see God's love for you because Christ has purified your sins, and you hope in the fullness of life that He gives you? Or to, to uh, for a different question, another question. Uh, how how quickly does your mind wander? Right. If you're, if you're like me, mind wanders constantly to all kinds of different things. And, uh, and you sit in your classes today, and you're you're trying to focus on. You know, if, if teacher's already gone through how many absences, and you're like, Wait, I missed that entirely. You have to look back down the syllabus. Right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume this night must I you know, have drifted off pretty quickly into one thing or another as it's gone on. And that would be me if I was, if I was sitting uh, in places. You planned out other activities or things you need to get done for your class or people you want to catch up with. But whatever it is, we our, our mind wanders. Uh, we drift into other things. And Hebrews says uh, the struggle to believe is like that. That we drift off easy. That the current's moving the other way. That if we're standing still, the escalator's still moving. It's easier to drift off than to pay attention. Uh, therefore, because Christ has spoken to us, because God has sent uh, his son to us. His, uh, the Supreme Son, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. God speaks to a salvation in Christ, uh, in its fullness, from himself, from his Son, that we would pay close attention to, uh, realizing that the drift is, is against us. How will we escape if we neglect uh, this that Christ offers us? Uh, God's Son has come uh, for us. Let's pray. But Lord, our God, we admit our tendency uh, to drift. Uh, we know it more easily in the thoughts that occupy our minds. Uh, we know it easily in, in how, our, how our efforts don't always rise up to everything we thought we could do or how much we put into it. Um, and, Lord, we see from your word that it comes, comes into religion, too. It comes here in our belief of the gospel. And we confess, Lord, that we don't like struggling or want to struggle we want ease and comfort um, we want to be told that everything about us is good and that, that we were already accepted by you because we're pretty much have everything together um, but Lord we thank you that we're not told uh, uh, false words of temporary col- uh, comfort uh, but we're told truth we're told life We're told the fullness of salvation in Christ. Lord, we pray that you would give us uh, a hunger and a desire uh, to struggle, uh, to see who Christ is and what he has done, that we would believe and continue to hold on uh, to believing. For you as our God who has uh, rescued people like us. We pray that we would even see the fullness of that rescue when you make all things uh, right and perfect when you return. Pray that you would give us confidence and encouragement and faith and even strong faith. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.